Good morning. If you didn't know, Jen's my wife. <laughs> it's amazing to have a wife that will pray for you and pray with you um, as you go through your life's journey. Um, they asked me this morning, uh, my youth asked me, um, if you don't know, I'm the pastor of students here at Hope Chapel, and some of my youth asked me, am I nervous? And everybody keeps asking me, am I nervous? I go, no, not really. I do this every week for you. Why would I be nervous here? It's the same message, the same gospel. It's just more of you. And you're a little bit older. That's all. I get to preach at Hope Chapel a couple times a year. So I usually have like all these messages stored up waiting to preach to you. So I'm looking. It's about 10 o'clock. I'm going to try to... Con- the last time I preached, I looked. It was about six months ago. So I'm trying to incorporate it all in about a half an hour. So bear with me. Um, one of the other things that I do at youth group um, is we use a lot of videos. Um, we do because I, I think that a lot of times when we come to church, it's we need to be multi-sensory. Um, some people are audio learners, some people are little readers, some people are visual learners, and we need to be able to get all those aspects into it. Um, today, I'm going to ask. We're going to watch a video. Um, it's by a band called Need to Breathe. It's one of my favorite music bands in the whole world. Um, and this video goes really along with the text that we just read in Romans uh, chapter uh, chapter 13 um, about slumber. I'm going to ask you to listen to the listen to the words and watch the video because we're going to I'm going to ask you when the video's done to respond. I'm going to ask you to pick out an image and to share with us maybe what motions it draw, drew out of you, maybe something a, a picture on the video that hit you really hard. Maybe it's a lyric in the song that really is resonating in you. Um, and so this is what I'm asking you to do as we dim the lights and uh, we play the video. I pray that your hearts and your and today is your your eyes and your mind will be open and your ears be open to see uh, part of the video. And then when the video is done, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you'd like to speak and tell us uh, what resonated about this video with you. Days they force you back under those covers. Days and mornings they multiply. Glory's waiting outside your window. We're gonna open the slumber. We open up in your eyes. Tongues are bad. Personal and focused. Tough to be with your steady mind. Hearts are stronger and broken. We're gonna open the slumber. We open up in your eyes. Oh, That fall from the table Just enough to get by All the while Your invitation Wait on up from your slumber Baby, open up for your eyes Wait on up from your slumber Baby, open up for your eyes Take from them all you want now, please don't trade it in for life. Replace your feeble with favor. Wake on up from your slumber, baby. Open up your eyes. Wake on up from your slumber, baby. Open up your eyes. All these victims standing around for comes that fall from the table. Just enough to get by. Oh 
it. I'm gonna, if you're a, a student, a child who's grade one through five, we have some uh, activity sheets. If you want to come up and grab those, or a parent wants to grab them before, for them, anyone? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for who you are in my life. God, I come before you <clears throat> um, as an unworthy and a humble servant. Lord God, I pray that um, the words that, you, that I speak, Lord God, are pleasing to your ears. I pray that as we um, just dive into your word, um, that you do wake us up, that you do um, open our eyes to see what you want us to see. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So, anybody, the video that we just saw, anybody have anything that sort of resonated with them? Trace, okay. This morning, um, I'm going to talk about slumber. The passage that we read, if you read in, the, uh, in another text, it says, wake on up from your slumber. That's where the, pa- where the song comes from, and that's uh, sort of in Romans is basically we're going to be talking about tonight, uh, today, about waking up spiritually. My son, my youngest son, Asher, is, um, he's three years old. He's still not sleeping through the night. Yeah, Exactly. He wakes up in the he wakes up, he has a, like a, a routine. It's usually around three o'clock in the morning is when he wakes up. And he just, he just wakes up. And Jen and I, we switch back and forth who goes into the room and sort of tries to settle him down and go and put him back to bed. I, and I have a routine. I get up and I try to get into my son's room as fast as I can because my oldest son shares a room with him. So I don't want him to wake up. So then we have two kids awake at three o'clock in the morning. So I try to run it, I try to get in there as fast as I can. And what I do is I don't put on my glasses and I'm still half asleep. I'm not aware of any toys that have been moved that are on the floor, stuff that I left on the floor myself, dirty, uh, you know, laundry baskets and stuff like that. And I just sort of kind of go into autopilot and just go into my son's room. I sort of kind of just, it's, I'm oblivious of everything around me. And I just do what I need to do and take care of the task at hand. As preparing this, I I really began to look at how many of us live our Christian lives like that on autopilot, doing what we have to do. We've done it for a long time, some of us for years, and we literally walk through our faith on autopilot. This is what the passage in Romans talks about. Wake up. We're always so busy, busy doing other stuff. Surveys show that Christians, more than anybody else, are more active than any other group of people for a couple of reasons. One is because we feel a responsibility to our community. We also are pulled in so many different directions, whether it be family, business, recreation, no matter what it is, we're pulled and we're stretched so thin. So thin, in fact, that the one place that we give least to is the church. We don't give back to the church. We have been sort of kind of sleeping through our faith. We can literally do our, our check-ins. You know, you, we come to church. You know, and I, I went to church this morning, and that was, that's fine. And sometimes we've gone through this, this area and this time in our lives where, you know, it's, we read our Bible, it's this thing, and it's basically it's a, we're checking a box. 
Something may excite us for, for a moment and for a time. And what we do is we get real excited, we get involved with church, and then we sort of kind of go back into the routine of things. Where church is just church. This is what we're talking about today. We're talking about how God wants to strengthen us. How we can tap in to the spiritual power that is Jesus Christ. Many of us think that, you know what, I'm just doing, I'm just, I'm just barely getting by. I'm just barely getting by in my everyday things. And if I was to talk about personal spiritual development, just those words just sound like a lot of work. Personal spiritual development. And for a lot of us, we like, I just don't have the time. I don't have the energy. And where am I going to fit it in? I coach my kids' soccer team. My wife's a part of the PTA at school. I volunteer at the choir. I'm running for um, city council or town, you know, selectmen or whatever. Where am I going to find time for spiritual development? See, what we're losing is the idea of how Christ can empower us. Paul writes in Ephesians 3, uh, 3.14, and I didn't look and see what it is in your text. Um, but I want to read this for you because this is Paul's, Paul's writing this text to the church. And this is specifically to the church. And he says, for, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man and that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the width, the height and the depth of God's love. And to know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in you to him. Be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This passage is a passage. If you look, most of you will have a, a, a heading. And this heading is a, a prayer for spiritual power. We need to be able to tap into the spiritual power, which is Jesus Christ. Paul writes this for a couple of reasons. The main reason he writes it so that we... Um, so Paul... Pre- Paul's prayer for the church is to deepen our spiritual understanding of God's will, specifically that we may have a a joyful grasp in the Christian hope and the confidence to trust in God's saving and reconciling reconciling power in him. See, Paul's prayer is in the beginning of this, in the prayer, it's a prayer of urgency. Most of the time when they pray, they pray standing up. Paul literally, in the beginning of this prayer, literally says, For this reason, because he knows how important this is to be able to empower the people of the church, to be a part of the church. He says, I I bow on my hands and knees a lot. I've prayed, I've preached before, and I've talked about the power of getting on your knees before God. This this prayer is so amount of urgency and, and excitement that he literally gets on his knees because he wants people. He wants God to really he he really wants us to hear this, that there is power in Jesus Christ. If we only tap into it, if we only open our eyes, take the blinders off of seeing the world the way that, that we, we do with the busyness, with the media, with everything that the world offers. If we take that off and we start seeing through God's eyes that things can change, that we no longer are asleep in our Christian walks with Jesus Christ, that when the blinders come off, we start seeing everything. Everybody, if you know what blinders are, they are they're for horses or ox or, or some kind of 
livestock. And what it is is to focus them to go one place, not to get distracted from the things that are around. But the problem with those things is, yeah, you can be focused on things, but you can be focused on the wrong things because you don't see the things that are coming from the side. You have no peripheral vision, none whatsoever. See, a lot of times we think if I just focus on what, you know, taking care of this and taking care of that, that's what I need to do. When all along the sides, God is saying, look over here. Open your eyes, look over here. There are people hurting. There are people who need you. So many times we rob people out of blessings because we're so worried about our own stuff. We're so worried about what we have to take care of that we have literally robbed the blessing because we've never, we haven't followed God's will in our lives. We said, you know what, I got, I got stuff I got to do. This year is a chance for us to wake up, to be different, to change the things, that, the way that we do things. Our prayer, I, I hope that our prayer is like Paul's, that we have a prayer to wake up, but we do it with, such a, with an, an act of urgency. Another part of the song and, and, the, and the next part of the passage talks about that our salvation is here, that, we don't, that it's now. And this goes along with the urgency. You know, some of us, me, myself, I'm not a big reader, but lately I've been reading a, a whole lot of different books. Um, but how many of us have ever been, had a friend um, come up and say, hey, here's this book. It's amazing. I want you to read it. And we're like, yeah, yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. And it's collecting dust someplace in our house. I am one of those people. I, I go to these conferences, and I, I'm like, oh, you hear a speaker, and you buy the book. You're like, I'm going to read this. And it's sitting in my bookcase someplace. Neil and our church have been talking, and uh, one of our things is living with the end in mind. What are we doing right now to prepare us for those things? For that, to living, if we're, are we really living with the end in mind? If God comes back tomorrow, are we prepared? The pastor says, if our salvation is now and here, why are we putting our salvation on the back burner with, the everything's, with, with everything else that we have to do in life? Why, is, why do we put God back there? My kid, the youth in, our, in my youth group, one of the, the things is that they say to me all the time is this. Especially those who sort of kind of fall away. They say, you know what? I want, I want to be young. I want to enjoy my life. I want to enjoy high school. I want to enjoy college. I'll get it right when I get older. I'll have my faith when I get older. Once I've enjoyed life, I'll, that's when I'll become a real Christian. Those are, and I'm not talking about students who, have, who are new to God or anything. I'm talking about students who have known Christ, accepted Christ, and said, you know what, I want to sample the world. I want to get what I want to get right now, and I want to do what I want to do, and I'll get it right later. But that's not how it works. Tomorrow isn't promised. It'd be nice if God said, okay, I'm coming back this date. Mark it on your calendar. Get everything in order. Nope, doesn't work that way. It would be nice, but most of us, we don't live that way. People write songs about that. Live like I was dying. I'd do all these crazy things. I'd tell my parents I'd love them. I'd ride a bull. That's the song, I know. But <laughs> I know the subject about that. I just, you know. CJ, it's a country western song. We need to live for today. We need to stop worrying about other stuff, the stuff in the future. A lot of us spend more time worrying about our 401ks and our 403bs than our, our eternal retirement package. You're worrying about a minute part of your life as a Christian. This small little bit, not even this. It's like this compared to eternity. And you spend more time worrying about that than you do about the eternal retirement package, which is everlasting life that God promises. If God doesn't promise us tomorrow, there needs to be an urgency to worry about the eternal package rather than the 401k. I'm not saying be, don't be a good steward of what the, the things that God has given you. I'm not saying that. 
But are you using those gifts and those things that God give that God has given you your all of your time, your money, and your effort in order to glorify Him today? Or are you saving it up for not even your whole life, but your retirement life, which is usually 65 to, and now some later to 70 to whenever, which is a smaller part of your life. And you worry more about that than you do about the rest of your life, the, the eternal part. And that's important. That's one of the things that I, I struggle with. How do you balance that? How do you balance my life in the world and my life with Christ? The way that I think we should balance it is, and it's a word that we don't use often enough. The word is surrender. In the American culture, the word surrender is almost a bad word. We are taught as a young age, never give up, never surrender. Do all that you can in order to succeed. We tell our kids that from a young age. I think the reason why we don't like the word surrender, because the word surrender means one thing. It means to submit to someone else's authority. We want to do what we want to do. That is part of our nature. From the moment we were born, we know that we've lived that. Society tells us that. We want to do what we want to do. I learned my two-year-old, his favorite word, no, 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 no. My father-in-law got me a button that says, no, 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 no. I can just hit it. It just says no. That's all it does. I hit it when my kids want to talk to me. Nope. Thank you. Nope. But that's us. God says, do this. Nope. I need you to go. Nope. I'm too busy. Nope. Me. We're so worried about us. We're worried about self-preservation before anything else. No, no, no. Submission to God's authority is what he calls us as Christians to do. God is asking for, for it all, not just the peace. He's asking for our families, our work, our recreation times, our finances, and us. We often use the phrase, God, you can have this, but not that. Total submission seems difficult because we have so much as Americans. God calls us to pray for our daily bread. We don't pray for our daily bread because we have a refrigerator full. We don't need. We struggle with giving up and submission to God because we don't need. And we think we can do it by ourselves. Over and over again, we constantly fail because we keep trying to do it by ourselves. Submission to God's authority grants us the ability to succeed, to overcome. But there has to be a chance for us to surrender to God. Even as those who have been believers for a long time, we need to every day surrender before we start the day. God, this is your day. You lead me. You guide me. You move me. In order for us to live the life amazing, the one thing we do is surrender. And we need to wave the white flag in our lives to Christ. Because God wants so much from us. And for in order for for us to do this, there's some things that we need to be finished with. Like low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, dwarf goals. We need to stop settling when it comes to our relationship with Christ. When it comes to our everyday, we don't settle. None of us settle. As a youth, as a youth minister, I know parents tell us, you need to study real hard because the rewards are better. We won't settle for just a B or just a C. We won't settle. I'm, I know for myself, I am a sales shopper. I go, I find the, big, the best deals. If I want to buy something, I'm online. I'm looking through the flyers. I'm trying to find the bigger and better deal. Always. As humans, we are looking for a bigger and better deal in the way that we run our lives. We're looking for a bigger reward. Whether it's a job, it's a house or a car, we're looking for a bigger reward. Let me tell you something. There is no bigger reward than eternal life that Christ offers. There is no bigger and better deal coming down the line than Christ, who, who, God who sent his son to die for us. That we are unworthy to receive the blessings and the eternal life that God gives us 
There is no better deal. There's none. But why do we keep searching the world for a better deal? Why do we think that making enough money is going to give us an opportunity to do more? God promises if you believe in him, God promises if you trust in him, your life, you cannot begin to fathom what he'll do in your life, what he'll do with you. But yet we want a tangible and things that we can sort of kind of grab and grasp. There needs to be an urgency to get our lives corrected with Christ. I know that this is New Year's Day and a lot of us last night made New Year's resolutions. And New Year's resolutions are great, but if you're like me, by January 15th, Martin Luther King weekend, most of my resolutions have sort of kind of gone out the window. Some of you may be better and and let it last for a little bit longer, and it may go to January, February, but for the most of us, we think about them January 1st, and then we don't think about them for a while until January, I mean, until December 31st, we're like, oh, remember last year I made this resolution? My cousin has a a jar, a biscotti jar, and he, they put their New Year's resolutions in there on, uh, on New Year's Eve, and then they open them on December 31st and see how well they did. Sometimes they're not so good. But this year, um, I want to I I challenge you not to have a re- make New Year's resolutions, but to make commitments to Christ. Resolutions usually last, like I said, 15 to maybe even a year A New Year's resolution may last. A commitment lasts for a lifetime. On Christmas Day, Andrew, our children's minister, asked um, us to ask our kids to give a gift to Christ. Give a gift back. I'm going to ask you to do the same this year. What are you going to give to Christ this year? Quiet time, personal, spiritual development. I'm asking a couple things. And for this, this is specifically to our church. This is what I'm asking. I'm not asking you to take a whole ministry. Say, so, you know what, I'm going to revamp the children's. No, I'm not asking you that. But I am asking you to be, get involved. I'm asking you this year to get involved in a ministry. We have tons. I'm asking you this year to get involved in a life group. I'm asking you a couple of things, and this is one of them. I'm, I'm urging you to stop looking at church as a place to come and be fed only, but I'm, looking, I'm asking you to come to church and look at church as a place to feed into. Most evangel- evangelical churches are consumer-driven, meaning you come, you get, you leave. This year, I'm asking you to change the culture. I'm asking you not to be a consumer of the church, but to be consumed by Christ. I'm asking you to do more than I, than, than I ever get to ask. Because I know when you read in Acts what the first church looks like, it's an exciting place. It's a place that you want to go to. Church shouldn't be a pit stop in your week. It should be a destination. A destination compared to a pit stop. A pit stop, you go, you get gas, and you leave. You get what you need and you leave. A destination is something that you plan to go, some place that you want to go, some place that you're excited to be a part in. You have you go to a destination like Disney World. You stop at the gas station at the BP station here in Sterling on Route 12 to be able to get to that place if you're driving. Church needs to be a destination, not a pit stop in our lives. And this means a couple things. It means for us as a church, it means that we get here in enough time to register our kids and to get here before the first two songs are over. It means that you've registered your kids and you're waiting in anticipation to see what God wants to give to you in the morning. That we're excited about being here at church. It means that between services, you're not trying to catch up with that one person that you talk to every week. It's not, it's not that. It means that you go and talk to that person and you say, listen, I want to have lunch with you. I want to invite your family over and have dinner with you because I want our church body to grow and to deepen. It means that after church that you don't 
go and talk to the same people that you talk to every week. It means that you look around, you see the new person in your row, and you ask them, how are they doing? You spend more time talking to the new person than the person that you talk to and that you know very well. And you say, well, I'm at this one commitment. I can't do a whole lot. If I just do this one thing, it's not going to make a big difference. But if 300 of us do, those one commitments become a movement, and that movement becomes a culture. It makes people want to be at church. Church was created to strengthen believers, not to drain them. We must start with our hearts and our minds fixated on Christ, understanding the trickle-down effect. If we let God fill up our cup, the overflow flows into every aspect of our lives. The last thing I want to do as we close um, is I want to read something. One of the books that I talked about earlier is a book that uh, uh, someone has given me called The Valley of Vision. It's a, it's a book of Puritan prayers. And there's a prayer for the new year. And I, as I read it, uh, just follow along with me as I read this, and this will be our closing prayer before we come and collect the offering. O Lord, length of days do not profit me, except for the days are passed in thy presence, in thy service to thy glory. Give me grace that proceeds, follows, guides, sustains, sanctifies, aids every hour, that I may not be one moment apart from thee, but may rely on the Spirit to supply every thought, speak in every word, direct every step, prosper every work, Build up, build up every mote of faith and give my desire to show forth thy praise. Testify thy love. Advance thy kingdom. I launch my bark on the unknown waters of this year. With thee, O Lord, as my harbor. Thee, O Son, as my helm. Thee, O Holy Spirit, filling my sails, giving me to the heaven with my loins girt, my lamp burning, my ears open to thy calls, my heart full of love, my soul free. Give me the grace to sanctify me, thy comforts to cheer, thy wisdoms to teach, thy right hand to guide, thy counsel to instruct, thy law to judge, thy presence to stabilize. May thy fear be my awe, thy triumphs my joy. Happy New Year.